everybody, Bob WP, and we are back with Do The Woo. My co-host that was supposed to be here is stuck in a hurricane, and I hope he's safe. Brad Williams uh, let me know about an hour and a half ago he lost power, and I'm just hoping that he's still continuing to um, to find ground, I guess is what I would say. But I had to reach out and get Mendel, <laughs> who is always there for me. Curland. <laughs> Mendel, how are you doing? <laughs> hey, Bob, how are you doing? Uh, hey, what, what episode are we on, by the way? I think it's, is this 66? It is, um, let's see, what episode are we on? 66, yeah, we are Ooh. on 66. I'm really excited to be on this particular episode just because both numbers are the same in the number. I know it's it's silly, but I love I love double numbers. Six six, that's awesome. Yeah. Super awesome. I'll keep that in mind, you know, as I schedule these and try to move them around a little bit, just to make your day, you know, if that's how simple it is. I, I want to add to your enjoyment. Hey, thanks a lot, Bob. So um so uh so how's the weather over there? Weather is fine. We're um, foggy, foggy, a little foggy this morning, but um, no hurricanes, no big winds. How about yourself? Uh, doing well over here. I say we get this thing kicked off. Cool. Before I do that, quick shout out to our sponsors, WooCommerce. They are our community sponsor. And just to let you know, a couple of days ago, release candidate for 4.4 came out. So want to make sure you get that checked out. I believe it's on track for the 18th. We have Recapture.io, an abandoned cart and email marketing solution. Make sure you get that taken care of. And Sezzle.com. It's a buy now, pay later option. Power shoppers to purchase today and pay later with no interest. And they have a pretty slick and easy to set up plugin for WooCommerce. So get on that. Well, without any further delay, I'm I'm excited uh, to bring our guest on. I've Never met Chris in person or actually virtually. This is the first time, but welcome to the show, Chris Goyer. Oh, I couldn't be happier. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, I'm very glad you have WooCommerce as a sponsor on your WooCommerce podcast. That feels like a good fit. Yeah. <laughs> One of those things that you just, um, yeah, that seems like a natural, natural <laughs> yeah. fit. Yeah. I hope so. Shopify would be a really weird, really weird mix, I feel like, if they reached out. I just had somebody actually email me and they said just they pulled out one post on my site that's had Shopify in it. And they said, um, dear Bob, which was really weird. They called me dear Bob. But they said, dear Bob, we see that you love Shopify. <laughs> then they went into trying to, you know, get me to put a link in or something. But I thought, well, I guess if one, you know, one post out of about four or five hundred posts means I like Shopify or loved it. Well, so be it, I guess, in their eyes. Anyway, Chris, for the people that don't know what you do, before we even get into the woo and the WordPress and all that good stuff, um, what does what does Chris do these days? Well, my main job, I work at, at CodePen. I'm the co-founder of CodePen, which is, um, you know, it doesn't have much to do with WooCommerce, but it's like an online playground for, for front-end developers. It's like a social browser. So you, can, you know, you go to CodePen and have a free account, and you can make pens. That's kind of the primary feature of CodePen, which is chunks of HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. So it's it's an editor right in your browser. So you know, I talked to just a professor this morning that uses us at their classes at the University of Miami, and they just, they taught all their classes for the whole semester in it 
you know, because it's, it's nice for them, particularly in this times, everybody being at home, you know, you can have a student and say, Hey, I want you to learn. I want you to learn a little something about HTML and CSS. Just go to this URL and that URL spins up and there's an editor right there. They're like instantly they're, they're working and learning about HTML. It's not like download this piece of software, install this, hopefully this works. Oh shoot. I'm on a Linux machine. That doesn't work yet. You know, there's, there's none of that going on. So it, it's a, it's not necessarily an education specific tool, but I think people think of code pen and education, uh, together a lot because there's there's a lot to learn from it if you google something like how to make tabs and react or something you might land on a code pen because that's the purpose of it is that there's a there's a, a demonstration of how to do tabs and react and two seconds you're looking at the code to do that that's kind of that's kind of it and there's this social layer on top of it where i can heart things and you can comment on things and i can follow you and you can follow me so it's like a social network and in that regard as well, which is, which is nice. It adds some fun to it, some community and, and kind of fuels it too, in a way. Cause if you search for react tabs, like that example I just showed, because there's people that heart and comment and add it to collection stuff, we can kind of use that data to, to assume that that's popular in a way and, um, and make it show up higher in search results, for example, because we know that that's a good one to show you. Anyway, that's a whole spiel about CodePen. That's my primary job, but I also run a site called CSS Tricks, uh, which is a WordPress site, runs WooCommerce on it, which I'm sure we'll get to. Um, not kind of its primary thing. Its primary thing is really just a blog. I blog, but I have guest writers and staff writers and a, a kind of a, a lead editor on the site. And it's a, it's a you know it's a business publication in the world of talking about front end largely just anything about building websites, you know, the name CSS tricks is terribly cheesy and makes it sound like it's just going to be this site full of cheesy CSS tricks, but it is kind of a, it's grown up over the decade and a half. It's been alive and it's really just a, a resource site for all things about building websites. Yeah. Chris, I have a question about the birth of CSS tricks because uh, apparently it was it was launched on July 4th. Yeah, it's a- right? 4th of July. So so why? What what was significant about this moment? Was it just a, a morning of July 4th that you were like, "Hey, I'm going to hit publish" or was there some method behind that madness? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think the date has anything to do with anything. And in fact, I probably only started celebrating its birthday, you know, many years into into having the site, you know, in the early days, it just didn't matter as obviously it was just me. It's just this baby little stupid side project. I have just the thing you did, you know, and then at some point it became, you know, either somebody noticed it or I did or something. You just go look at that very first post you ever published. And of course, just being a WordPress site, it has a date on it. Be like, eh, I guess that's the day we turn this site on. You know, I don't have any specific memory of of why or when or what that day was all about or anything. It just happens to be the happens to be the first post. So, so cool. that's that. No method to the madness at all. <laughs> Did you so obviously you started it on WordPress and that if you you know because of the age of the site, obviously that was a way back when WordPress was, you know. Yeah. What made you decide to uh, use WordPress? Had you been using it already? Was it the let's give this a whirl type of thing? Yeah, I, I, it definitely wasn't my first website. It was probably or my first, even my first WordPress website. I don't remember what 
you know, what made WordPress catch my eye necessarily then. I also didn't know anything. So at that, at that point in your kind of your learning, you just pick something. I mean, you're not even, you don't even, you're not like intelligently analyzing the, all the options you have in front of you. You just, something catches your eye and you just give it a go. And I think I had luck, you know, I remember, I, I remember that I, cause this was the only way to use WordPress at the time was you download it, you know, and that's still, you go to wordpress.org and you click something and it gives you a zip file on your desktop, which is amazingly unhelpful. You know, like I, that's, it's amazing that that's still kind of the way it is, but it's just the way it is. And then it's on you to do something with Now, I'm sure I opened that zip file and looked at a confusing group of files and, probably tried to double click one or something. I mean, I, I, I don't know. And then, but you know, you, you don't have any luck there. And then you start looking around, reading docs, seeing what it's asking of you to do this. And I'm, and I, you know, you get the basic information that like, look, these are PHP files. They need to be on a server that's running PHP, you know? So it's, you follow basic docs and they're all telling you, well, you got to buy some hosting, you got to log into that hosting. And then this is where you put the files and the hosts want to help you do that too, because the hosts are making money off you. The second you buy hosting with them, you know, they want to help you get your site installed over there and whatever, whatever. this is like, you know, 15 plus years ago. (laughs) Not that it's that different now, but I I just want to emphasize that. So I remember, you know, buying a domain name, you know, that's a little process to itself too. And you got to be pretty sure of what you're doing, you know, cause you're about to spend 20 bucks or whatever it is. So hopefully you got a real reason to do it. And then you got to buy hosting separately generally, as I think sometimes hosts, you know, I think at the time wherever I bought the domain name didn't really encourage me to also buy hosting from there. They just kind of only did the domains thing. And then I pick some hosting for some reason. I'm sure I was very price conscious about it and tried to pick something that was very inexpensive as it could find. And then you get an email, you know, you're like, your hosting is set up. Congratulations. Here's your, you know, your FTP credentials. You're like, what now? Yeah. But, you know, I, I knew about FTP because I was a kind of a computer nerd before websites, you know, once in a while you'd, you know, even as a kid, you'd get access to some FTP server that was like probably largely for the purpose of trading illegal software or something, you know, it's kind of a like a more nerdy Napster kind of thing. Here's my FTP server. Anyway, at least I was aware of what FTP was. Then you get some FTP software, you plug in the credentials and look, there's the server I just bought. I just spent money on. Then you drag that folder of WordPress files on there and visit visit the you know then struggle through the the idea of dns which is you know good luck when you're a beginner but you got to point the dns to the right place and if you get through that and you reload it then you're probably greeted with the wordpress page that's like there's no database here you know yeah. you're like oh cool god dang it <laughs> and then you figure that out so it, it's probably a you know a week long process to to struggle through all this but i think once you do it First of all, then you've learned it. Then the next time will take you 20 minutes instead of a week. But I remember being like, dang, I did it. You know, this is rad. Now, now everything's a lot easier after that. Then you can go in there and start editing those files. You know, if you see something is red and you want to change the color, you can probably find the word red in the right file if you look hard enough eventually. You know, and in my early days in WordPress were very much just find the right file and edit it, you know. 
and it wasn't too long after that that the FTP software didn't end up being like CyberDuck or whatever. It, it, you know, the along came uh, Coda. I'm a Mac guy's Mac software called Coda that was um, that was FTP and an editor combined. So it was your FTP client, but it is the code editor too. So now you can click on those files and edit it and hit save. And it's like this amazing workflow, you know, now I'm, every time I change, I can just go refresh the live site and and there's my changes and like, oh man, you know, now I can look at other sites and try to emulate what they're doing. And you just like learn a lot real quick about web development and have that kind of feeling of power. Like, wow, I can, I can do a lot here. And you didn't have to learn any computer science to do it. I didn't have to write a login system. I didn't have to, I barely knew what a CMS was, but in my mind solidifying is these concepts like, oh, I see this, this software is producing more pages for me. So if I blog, all I do have to do is hit the publish button and I have a new URL with the new, it's not as manually as they, as you know, that your early days are led to believe and, you know, make a new post. You have to make new files. And it's just, you, I think there's an intuitive understanding of what a CMS is. Do you still cowboy code? No, never, ever for any reason. <laughs> I, the, the unfortunate part is since this is audio, I really, I don't even know if I can tell if that's, um, you know, truthful or not, but hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully you're not. Uh <laughs> I lived through that transition. I was probably not not necessarily leading the transition because I think a lot of times people got to kind of drag you kicking and screaming from old workflows. Oh yeah, at least it is for me. You know, every new technology is because I joined some other project or team or something that did things a different way, and I'm like, okay, I guess I have to do it this way now. And it wasn't until really working at a startup where they used subversion the time you know kind of pre-git days that i learned like the what the value of source control was at all yeah and then but then once you start doing it you're like well that's obviously the way to go and but it's not i don't think this is uh, ubiquitous yet i mean these days you think of the way that you work on wordpress you have some kind of local installation of it you work on it and then and then you you've managed to wire up some kind of deployment process for it uh, and everybody does it differently and has different ways, and that's cool. But that seems to be like the healthy way that probably the majority of WordPress development works. But certainly not all of it. I hear from plenty of cowboy coders still. And and not just cowboy coders, but I think there's a big contingent of people who just don't have a local install at all. They just work with WordPress because it's po- possible to just completely online without coding anything, uh, mentoring a woman who works on a on a site that's pretty ambitious in what it's trying to do, and it's this combination of of ACF and um, some kind of pr- plugin that like locks down content to paid members. And there's a there's a fancy theme framework in there somewhere because that was a prerequisite to some page builder she wanted to use. It's this you know it's this ball of of WordPress plugins that enable all the functionality that she wanted. And there's no source control at all. It's just like, you just changed that. And in fact, you know, she wanted to like show little bits of content on one page, depending on if you're a member or not. And that content was in an advanced custom field field. And there was no way to do that within the page builder kind of thing. So then there's this other thing called Woody snippets in there, which I'd never seen, but it was a way to like, use the WordPress admin to write little pieces of PHP. And that would give you a shortcut to that. 
<laughs> and then you could put the short code in posts that would execute that little piece of handwritten PHP. And it just was like, wow, I mean, that works. It's, it's all, I don't, you know, she feels productive in it to some degree, I think, but then she installed a plugin the other day that changed something in a fundamental way and locked her out of her own site. Hmm. And that was that you're done. You know, you can't roll back. You can't FTP in and change things. And maybe she could, but it doesn't, doesn't work in that way at all. It doesn't have any local environment for the site at all. So, and I just was feeling how dangerous it was. It's truly dangerous. Yeah. That's what's awesome. And what's not awesome, right. About, about WordPress and about WooCommerce is, Super easy to do stuff, super easy to make changes, super easy to add functionality and remove functionality. But then, like you said, it's super easy to lock yourself out of your site or um, or, yeah. or not have a you know, differential backup or something like that. So. One, you can miss one semicolon or something in PHP and the site is toast. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I mean, it's just the way it's the way web technologies work. But yeah. I remember my old I'm talking long time ago. This was maybe in the 80s sometime when I was taking computer programming, which obviously I did not endure or pursue as a profession, but I was writing in COBOL. And I remember my first experience was that was one missing semicolon or something. And I think maybe that's why I never became a developer because of that one missing semicolon. I don't know what it was, but it was the most frustrating thing in my life that I'd ever experienced. This episode is brought to you by Sizzle and their buy now, pay later plugin for WooCommerce. If you've been looking to offer your customers installment payments, well, I suggest you look no further. Sizzle allows online shoppers to split their purchases into interest-free installments which increases conversions and average order values by an average of 20%. It's also pretty cool because at the same time, it empowers shoppers financially and it helps them to grow their credit. And of course, you're giving an option to your shoppers and your customers that isn't available on every WooCommerce shop. Sezzle pays a merchant in full at checkout, and it also assumes a risk of fraud and chargebacks. I have seen for myself that it's been rated as the best buy now, pay later solution out there. It has more than 14,000 merchants and well over 1.4 million shoppers. It's available in the US and Canada and just recently entered the marketplace in India. They're also looking to expand into other markets by the end of this year. The plugin is pretty slick and it's easy to install. It'll take just a few minutes of your time and you're on your way. So I would suggest you check out Sizzle. Just go to get.sizzle.com forward slash do the woo. That is Sizzle, S-E-Z-Z-L-E. Go there and you'll get a 30-day free trial as a listener to the podcast. So let's head on back to the show. So WooCommerce, where did WooCommerce come in along the way? I mean, I know that you have recently um, added it to CSS tricks, but did you have any exposure to it before? Were you working with it before? Kind of how did you get to WooCommerce? Sure. I have used it before and I have used it on CSS tricks before too. There's been kind of little, uh, little on and offs over the years when, you know, when I just needed it for something and experiments with other e-commerce software and stuff too. I mean, sometimes it feels you know, you have this moment you need to sell something. And at, at, at the moment, 
in the past, it's been like, I should sell like shirts and hats and stuff. Cause I, you know, I had a brand and whatever, somebody wants to buy a shirt or you just have this idea. Maybe there's a little money to unlock over here. If we did this, or, you know, you have some little jealousy cause you see somebody else doing it and you're like, I could do that too. Like, you know, passive income rules, you know, what if we could get a little minor steady stream of, of commerce money happening somehow. And, you know, once in a while it, the kettle boils over and you're like, all right, I'm going to do it, you know? And sometimes you, you look at what the options are out there and, you know, you need, you know, you need somebody to produce the stuff for you, you know, you need to actually sell it and then you need to, and then you need to um, fulfill the orders, you know, ship the stuff if it's a physical product. And so the temptation to use something that can just do all that stuff is so high, you know, it's like, no wonder why people pick Shopify. You just go and click some buttons and, and go and they, they just provide it all under one house for you. And I've tried different ones in the past. I don't sure, never, not sure if I've ever had a live Shopify site, but I've had live sites using other software in the past. And, and some of the stuff I've done has been kind of like a Rube Goldberg machine of, of, of making it work. One of my most recent experiences was selling some merchandise at CodePen. We found a good, I wanted to make sure the shirts were like super high quality. So we found a shirt printer that I liked and you had test shirts made and they had this cool way of printing it and all that, but they're just a shirt printer place. So you're really on your own then. Now you have this box of shirts. How are you going to get those to people? Um, so for a long, long, long time on CSS tricks, I just, I had an actual human being doing it that was paid on staff and her house was full of racks of shirts. So when orders came in, she would literally take one off the shelf, put it in a container, put it in and take it to the, to the post office to mail the thing. And that was kind of okay, but you know, she couldn't do it every day. And then I was like, well, you know, can I do it twice a week, once a week? You know, I don't know. It just became like this. And then you're paying her. So whatever profit you make, you got to slice off a human being salary off the top of it. The chance of you selling enough shirts for one small company to pay a whole human being to do all that work. Ooh, that's, that's hard. You know, the economics of that don't always add up. But then we, this teacher place is like, well, we're experimenting with, with fulfillment too. So why don't you, you know, do it that way, send your orders to us and, and we'll just fulfill them. And they have a whole infrastructure for it. So then there's not somebody on staff. There's just a kind of a, a company doing it for you. And now these days there's like print on demand and drop shippers and stuff too. So you can kind of even, you don't even have to source your own shirts. You can just be like, I don't know, here's a design when you get an order for one print it and send it. So that, you know, th th there's been evolutions of that. Like how, how much control over this process do you want? And lately mine, my thinking is as absolutely little as possible, you know, but that's what kind of brought me back to WooCommerce is that um, I had this idea to sell some posters on the site and I'm a little less worried about the quality of a poster than a t-shirt. I think people are like a little pickier about, about t-shirts. Like, I don't know that I trust like a $2.99 drop ship t-shirt to represent our brand well enough, you know, but a poster, eh, who cares? You know, it's just a piece of paper. You stick it in a frame or tack it to the wall or something. And I, and I tested this, this, I, I don't know, there had a drop printer. I don't know if there's a whole classification of these or what, but I just happened to notice that they advertised WooCommerce support. So it's this company that specializes in just upload a design and now you have a little store with this poster on it and it has a direct connection to WooCommerce. So you click another button and it turns that into a product on your WordPress site. 
now it's all the wiring is all wired up. So when somebody orders one, that order is automatically sent to them. They print one copy of this poster, fold it up into a little shipping container and send it to that person. So the only work that I had to do was design the poster, which I even had somebody else do for me, (laughs) and then just have WooCommerce installed and make sure that was like ready to go on the site. But the e-commerce nature of it is just so easy. I don't need to have anybody on staff. I don't need to manually print these things. I don't have to deal with inventory. I just don't do anything. And that's just one tiny little way you could use WooCommerce, as I'm sure you all know. There's a you know WooCommerce can basically do anything e-commerce-wise. But that's what brought me back to it was just this idea that I think I can pull this off with very little effort. I don't have all day. I'm not banking my businesses on the sale of posters. To me, this is just a, t- a small income stream kind of thing that I want to try out. And WooCommerce kind of handled that nicely, I think. Well, so so I'm kind of curious, uh, you know, talking a lot about WooCommerce, talking a lot about the things that you're involved in. Um, I want to switch gears slightly and talk about how you live your life um, especially right now. Um, I've, I've, I've done some looking and, and, you know, seen that some of the things that you really value are, are spending time in, in coffee shops, taking a break, um, you know, being outside hanging, um, of course, uh, with family and stuff like that. But, um, right now is a, is an odd time. And, um, and I think there are a lot of people, that are either trying to make big life changes, um, whether it's changing a career path or building a business or, um, or, or they're just trying to kind of deal with the daily grind as a, as a developer, designer, um, an entrepreneur, uh, whatever, you know, even in the corporate world and a lot of people working from home that, that hadn't been working from home before. So what, what do you, what are your thoughts, I guess, on, on kind of, you know, a disconnecting and, and, you know, finding something to provide some sort of release or relaxation. Um, and, and, you know, B, maybe some advice on how to deal with some of these big life changes or, or how to approach them. I've had, I, you know, I lucked out, you know, I don't, I don't live in a terribly hot spot for any of this stuff. And, uh, I'm kind of introverted by nature, so I'm a little less affected by the, you know, by the by the quarantining and the not being able to see people as much. I was a little bit traveled out, sort of by the by the start of this thing anyway. So not traveling has kind of felt good. I mean, I have it lucky in so so many ways. I'm sitting here in my office too. It's an office just with just me in it, which is not at my house. So even during even during quarantine, I was able to kind of come to this office. So I was a little less, um, you know, into the, like the cabin fever kind of thing that a lot of people experience that it gets so bad. So, uh, you know, yet again, I've lucked out in my life in some, some, some awesome way. So I'm probably not the best person to be giving anybody advice, you know, (laughs) have your own awesome office in a town that you love in the mountains, you know, not the most useful advice, probably that's generally applicable. What about working on uh, big projects? So, uh, you know, whether it's, whether it's weight loss or, or, or career paths, you know, big things that take time to accomplish and, um, and they seem almost insurmountable. 
Um, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure you've been through things in your life that, that maybe take time, uh, to coordinate in your mind at least. And is there any, any thoughts there? Yeah, I'm kind of hit and miss on, on projects like that, but it's definitely how I, how I think is, is long-term on projects, you know, like, you know, CSS tricks is, is, is as old as it is only because of, you know, of me just hanging on to it and being like, I'm just going to work on this thing just forever. It's kind of my baby. And I say that cause it's like, there's probably lots of moments where I could have given up on it or just kind of stopped caring about it and worked on something else. But definitely there's some part of me that's just like that. No, that's not what I do. You know, I work on things long-term because I think any success I've ever had, like I've learned this lesson is through, is through just keeping at things. Um, I've had failures in that regard too, (laughs) but, but I think, I think the longer you keep at something, the, the, the chances are that of, of that thing having returns for you, you know, and I'm not bored of it either. You know, that's kind of a, a nice thing too, is that I, I work on, I got I've, I've very unpurposely have trimmed my life to just be working on primarily just code pen and CSS tricks. And I've tr- trimmed away things that were taking up my time in other ways, or that didn't feed back into those things in a useful way. And now they've reached this like kind of critical mass of success where, I don't really need to worry about them totally failing, which is nice. You know, I think there's, there's kind of like a moment where if you're, I think if a, if a project, a one that you really care about is just not doing well enough to to some point where there's a chance that it could just fail. There's like kind of a moment where you might actually be smart to bail on it because then you can start something new and, and give something new a shot rather than just spinning your wheels on something that might not be working. But both of these projects have kind of crossed that point where what they need is just more ideas and more work and more thinking and more people and, and stuff, because they're already successful enough that I'm not worried about them just outright failing. I don't know if that was a cohesive thought. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds like, you know, doing something you love and persisting at it um, uh, is, is kind of your, your formula. Um, at least with some things. So. Yeah. I don't, I've seen people give up on things too early or bounce around to too many things or I'm just like, you're, I don't think you're having success because you're not, you're not digging into it as deeply as you need to. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you have to solve real problems um, sometimes with, with things you're working on and, and getting over that hump then uh, allows you to actually do something that that's successful. Yeah. Yeah. It helps that I like it too, you know, just yet another yeah. way that I'm lucky. I get to kind of sink all this time into these projects and, and enjoy it, you know, know that each passing day is like buying me a little bit more, I don't know, resiliency too, you know, cause I think, I think some of the things I work on, so like, like, like code pen, if somebody like in the first year of code pen, would do you trust CodePen? To the, to the people, to the people are like, should I should I invest time in this place? I'm asking people to do that because it's this public place where you do work and store your code and stuff. You know, when you're so young into your life as a company, you just haven't bought the trust yet. You know, you know, I don't think people are as as willing to use your thing. If there's a brand new e-commerce plugin for WordPress tomorrow, would a lot of people up and switch to it? It's they haven't bought their they haven't done their time yet they haven't the the trust wouldn't be there for them yet. But of course, success breeds success, right? 
Yeah, kind of. They'd have to have some big names behind it. They'd have to they'd have to have some good example sites. They'd have to have a clear technological superiority. There'd have to be something. But I think the trust is the biggest part of the formula they'd be missing. This episode is brought to you by Recapture Abandoned Cart Recovery and Email Marketing for WooCommerce. Anyone who runs a Woo shop knows how frustrating abandoned carts are. And getting them back with Recapture is easy and setup takes less than five minutes. With their ready-to-use emails, you can take them out of the box and start working for you right away. You'll save time having to start from scratch. Abandoned cart emails are managed for you automatically as the email service runs outside of your store, ensuring the best delivery to your customers. Their easy-to-read analytics reports will help you to monitor your cart recovery. And what's really cool is that you can watch what is happening live on your store with Recapture's live cart feed. The plugin is highly optimized so you don't have to worry about it slowing down your site. And their guarantee of email delivery, traffic increase loads, and support make it a valuable investment compared to all those free plugins out there. From what I hear, if you sign up, you'll be joining thousands of merchants who have already recovered over $115 million. Make sure and check them out. And as a listener, get 60 days free with Recapture. Just go to recapture.io forward slash do the woo dash special. And now back to our conversation. You're experience you know you've been around the web a long time you you know if i if i had a, a nerd ability scale i guess you would be there way up at the top as far as how people perceive you <laughs> and how you, who you work with and you know it's been a lot of years and you're not just focused and sunk into the wordpress you know community or the woocommerce community but from your perspective just some thoughts on what do you think the WooCommerce looking at the ecosystem of WooCommerce from your viewpoint, what do you think is being done right? And is there any things that you're thinking, huh, I still wish they would kind of do this, or I think there's room for improvement. Mm. Yeah. I should have had a better thought on that probably. Cause I'm sure there, there's, there's stuff. I think you're right though. I don't, this is as deep into the WooCommerce community as I've ever been right now. You know, I don't, I'm not super, super deep in this world. Like y'all are um, even WordPress itself. I've I tried to be involved and, and I, I love WordPress and ha- have been more in the past, but like, I don't, it's not where I, that's not my core circles, I guess. My core circles is just the web in general and front end development. And I think it, I think I try to teach that a little bit too. Like it doesn't matter that much. Like the website is what matters. Like the doing right by your users and making a successful business is what matters. Like, I don't care that much about the technologies that you choose. I want to be free to choose whatever I want. That's going to be successful for, for me and the business and my users. So if that happens to be WooCommerce, great. It has been for me because it, there's this concept of, you know, I know I'm going to sidestep the question a little bit of keeping things in under the WordPress roof has been so good for me in the past. Like I've done it with, I used to have forums on CSS tricks that I installed some random forum software and then just use, and then the forums were like subdomained or something. They were just some other part of the site. And I did that with uh, the newsletter. I'd like just write the newsletter and MailChimp and send that out. Okay. Well, that's yet another piece of software that has to do with this. Uh, and then 
e-commerce too. I'd like sign up for some other, you know, the, you could, the, the sales is over here. It's store.cssstricks.com. And that leads you to some other total piece of software that's doing that. And I've made choices over the years of bringing things under just the regular WordPress roof. Like, you know, your forums can be powered by BB press or whatever. You can do a social stuff with buddy press or whatever you can do e-commerce with woocommerce you can do a newsletter by any number of newsletter sending tools you know but but recently for us it's been like just publish it as a custom post type and then send the rss feed over to mailchimp and send send out your newsletter that way but you're authoring it in your wordpress site anytime i've made a choice to like bring something under the umbrella of wordpress uh, it's been awesome you know, it's just less maintenance and I'm learning to like master the tool a little better. Whereas if you have 10 tools, you're not going to be the master of any of them. Have fewer tools that you're the master of. So I applaud the WordPress ecosystem in that and that some devs that are like heavy on WordPress and just like stay in that world. It's because they're masters of that. And I think that's that's smart sometimes that that like I, I do like to reach for whatever tool I need, but at the same time, you know, being a be just being like nope we're just like a wordpress shop all these all these like agencies that just do wordpress work i don't blame them at all because they're just really effective there and the market there is there to support it it kind of gives you blinders sometimes to what's happening in the the rest of the world i think the wordpress world is currently in shock a little bit about what i have to write react to make a freaking block are you kidding me because react is just has nothing to do with wordpress wordpress people haven't been writing in react traditionally that's not a big part of the thing but to me i'm like oh sick that's great i love that i like writing in react i'll write my own blocks in react that's way more that's just as comfortable to me as anything else you know so i think there's advantages when you are part of the wider ecosystem too but uh, you know woocommerce specifically what they're doing right and wrong i don't know i don't have a good sense of it do you have a good i don't even have a good sense of what what like how big the slice of pie of automatic it is you know, is it because yeah. they have big stuff? They have Jetpack, which is big, but I don't think it's probably nearly as big as WooCommerce. And they have WordPress.com, which is big, but is it as big as WooCommerce? I don't know. They have all kinds of ways to make money at, at Automatic. I would not doubt, though, that WooCommerce is the largest slice of the it. Yeah. You know, that's a good question because looking at it as a slice, what do, what do you think, Mendel? You- oh, I, I'm never going to go on the record with that. Are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> Oh, Bob, you're always trying. Um, hey, before we wrap up the show, I want to ask one more question, Chris, and that is um, what tools, maybe like one or two, what tools do you use um, in your in your daily uh, work life that are super useful, whether it's for podcasting or whether it's for um, general web stuff? Uh, yeah, you know, a lot of people use CodePen. Um, what, what do you use? <laughs> um, sure. I mean... I do my local WordPress development with local by flywheel. I don't know if you all use that, but it's a really super nice tool for spinning up local sites. I also host with them just because I think that integration is pretty clean and they bought my trust with such a good developer tool. So that's cool. You know, I do tons of note taking and organizing and to do lists and, you know, wiki style document management. And just, I think a lot of my work life happens in notion. If you haven't seen notion, that's a pretty sweet app for just keeping yourself, um, organized on a team i think it's best with with teams i think they're like their permission system in there and the way they do nested documents is pretty is pretty amazing uh and that's true for all my businesses they all have a workspace and notion and that's where the kind of 
primary kind of business stuff happens in there that's not like slack because of course he's slack for like like real-time-ish chat you know pretty obvious there i guess cool uh podcasting we just there's i don't have anything to talk about i wish i had a cool tool like this to share with you if people don't know we're using squadcast.fm i don't know if you've ever talked about it on the show but it's pretty it looks pretty nice we just go old school and and have a have a video call and then have everybody record locally and just send the the file in which is um it's just a remnant of old days i think i think we need to level up our (laughs) yeah it is and i i think i started using it last um end of last year and it was in beta actually i'd been using a couple others i'd tried some others and this one i just got into and it just more and more it seemed to be that does the trick perfect podcasting i mean that's what it's built for so i've been really happy with it and they've been um been improving on it over these last few months and stuff but it's uh it's a pretty solid solid Good. tool for sure well, Chris, um, I, I want to thank you for being on the show. Um, I also want people to know exactly where to get a hold of you uh, if they want to take a look at what you're working on. Uh, maybe shoot you a Twitter message or something like that. Uh, how can people get in touch? Well, big fan of people having their own personal website. Mine is my name, chriscoyer.net. Get you a link to everything that I do in the world and social media links and all that stuff is there. Cool. Awesome. Well, hey, I want to give uh, one shout out to our sponsors, an additional shout out, a final shout out uh, to recapture.io, to WooCommerce.com, the place you know and love for WooCommerce, and Sezzle.com. Of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on all of your favorite podcasting apps. Uh, Sign up for the Woo News Post or Podcast, and please If you can, if you got a little change in your pocket, become a friend of Do The Woo because Bob pours his heart and soul into this podcast and uh, you should pour a couple cents in there. Um, That's all for now. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for being on. Bob, thanks for letting me ruin your podcast and uh, have a great day, everybody.